0: Hello, you're listening to a Spoiler-Filled Film Conversation.
1: Hooray! The Mosquito Coast We're all going on a summer holiday Permanently And we're staying there to die <laughs> Ow <laughs> Wow, improv <laughs> Hello, welcome to the podcast I am Richard With me to chat about this week's film is Abby. Hello. And Anthony. Hello. No Jamie this time. He... Has been washed out to sea. Thank you. (laughs) It's very quick off the (laughs) mark there. (laughs) He has malaria and died. Um, right. One thing that I was surprised
2: didn't happen in this film was that no one got ill because... (laughs) To be fair, that would actually show you that this is bad
1: (laughs) a little too quickly. (laughs) You kind of expect at least someone to get bitten by a mosquito. I think one mosquito (sighs) is injured or crushed for the making Hmm. of this film. Um, And that's the only reference to mosquitoes for this week's film, (laughs) The Mosquito Coast. Um, But yeah, we'll maybe... I w yeah, you're right though. I mean even if someone just got dysentery or like cuz whenever someone goes to a foreign climate they have an adjustment period where they get a bit ill. Usually sh- I mean that's just that's just something that happens as when you stay anywhere, really. Even if you stay home long enough you get ill, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I was surprised. I agree. But anyway, uh yeah. Uh, I guess Anthony you should give the details, uh the finer points of who made this uh right now then. Okay.
2: So, The Mosquito Coast. Uh, It was released in 1986 and is a drama movie directed by Peter Weir and written by Paul Schrader. It stars Harrison Ford as Ali Fox, uh, a disenfranchised father who moves his family to a remote part of the Caribbean called The Mosquito Coast, uh, where he plans to start a new uh, self-sufficient community uh, away from the consumerism of america um all his family are supportive at first but soon grow to resent him as complications in their new life arise and he starts to take somewhat of a downward mental spiral uh the film also stars helen mirren river phoenix conrad roberts andre gregory martha plinton dick o'neill uh william newman And a very small cameo from Jason Alexander.
1: Yeah, he was the guy who tried to sell him the wrong kind of uh, rubber or something. Yeah, plastic seal. It's Japanese. I am a liberal racist, sir. (laughs) I will only buy American products even though I have utter contempt for America. Very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. So, Anthony, the Mosquito Coast. Why did we watch it? Um, two-fold. Uh, I was
2: kind of tossing and turning whether to do a Peter Weir film or whether to do a Harrison Ford film, and then it turned out that they both made two films together, and one of them was Witness, which is a lot more high-profile than this one so i went for this one instead um i was also thinking of doing the film frantic with harrison ford but doing a roman polanski film in the current climate seemed a bit
1: off Mm. so this is what we're going to do mosquito coast i mean i'm glad we didn't do i'm glad we didn't do the peter weir film uh, the Dead Poets Society, because though it is loved by many, I think it's one of the most terrible piece- pieces of Drac ever. It's like utter pap and awful and and cringy and ugh, sickening, <laughs> sickening film. And uh, people, <laughs> people really like Dead Poets, and uh, I'm just like, oh no. So I'm glad we didn't do that one. But then you don't like anything that is sincere
0: it really leaves a bitter taste in your mouth when something is sincere. You
1: have to have um a less cheesy kind of sincerity for me. I don't know. I don't generally like sincerity. Not that kind, that kind of uh, I don't like all of this fucking oh captain my captain bullshit. like <laughs> Like, I mean, even teachers I liked in school whenever they didn't pledge allegiance to fucking whatever they say, you know. Anyway, this we're not reviewing Dead Poets. Thank you, Anthony. But I take back my thank you because we did do this film, which was its own kind of uh, difficult, I'll say, for now. Mm-hmm. Um, Harrison Ford, though. Are you a big Harrison Ford fan? I'm. Uh, yes and no.
2: Like with Harrison Ford, it's very much he hits it out of the park, or he's there for the paycheck. Sure. Um, so you know when he's you know when he's doing something, he's clearly loving like Indiana Jones. He's great. Um, but then he started making stuff like in the, what was it the late nineties, early two thousands, and that period of his career was a bit of a low point, I think. Um, when he clearly like fulfilled his financial and artistic goals and <laughs> he just needed to keep the mortgage going.
1: But he's definitely had a bit of a comeback in the last uh, decade or so, I think. Well, I think some of his original franchises have come back and said, we've got money for you, and he's like, <laughs> oh, I said I'd never do another one, but go on. Uh, hmm. I think with Harrison Ford, me and Abby watched an interview where he talked about some of his films, and it seems like he's not very passionate about the art of filmmaking. I don't think he... He didn't really have anything that insightful to say. You got a sense like he was very tired of talking about Star Wars and Indiana Jones because they're his big, important things that... Not important. They're his big, successful things that he's known for. But I think he's equally proud of all of his other acting roles. He like so he he definitely had a bitter I don't want to talk about those ones. But and he but he seemed to genuinely want to do challenging different uh films, didn't he Abby? He seemed to sound quite positive about working Yeah, he
0: liked mixing it up, doing different stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, that saying that he's not a very diverse actor. He basically has a few different notes in his repertoire, but you know, he's usually fairly, you know, Sto- Stoic hero types um, Sometimes a little bit more Confrontational or anti-hero-ish um, But he, you know, he, and he does also do mainly leading roles He's not like a you don't, you don't really see him in bit parts very often either I don't know I've, I've always liked him I think he's a charismatic personality Quite enjoyed him uh, As Decker and Blade Runner uh I, I don't care for Indiana Jones, but right? you know, he he suits the role of like action adventure guy at that time. Um Yeah, I mean, you know, there's plenty of different roles. Like one of the stupidest films I saw him in was um what's that one where he's on is it Air Force One where he's like the president and he's it's like Oh,
2: Air Force One's amazing,
1: we wanna know. It's so it's so stupid, isn't it? It's very hard to enjoy a president kicking ass and saving the day now we're living in a Post-Trumpian world, where you go, I don't think I could ever root for a president of America again. Um, but I, 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 I but I, I still Air Force One and like White House Down and stuff—they can be kind of ridiculously fun. Um, I don't know. Like uh, I'm not—I don't think Harrison Ford's tremendous, but he's likable. So that's my my oh. take on him. Abby, what about yourself? It's just I I have no strong feelings about him, which is probably not a good thing. But you you know you must like him. I mean, obviously you don't have to be obsessed with Star Wars to you know <laughs> have an opinion on him. I mean, it's like you know he crops up uh, relatively often, and you never you never watch Harrison Ford and think what a prick he's shit. You know you don't mm. not like a he's not he doesn't have. You know, like I can't think. I can't think. Oh, he's terrible in this. You know, he's just. He might be in a bad film or a not very interesting film, but it's not like you get annoyed with the performance he does. You know, last thing I would say, he has an acceptable level of competency. He's sort of workmanlike in his approach to acting. He's not mm. like a. He doesn't passionately throw himself into anything. He learns the lines and says them, and people film him, and that gets the job done. He see. He also seems very like. Yeah, that's what acting is, right? It's pretending to be someone you're not. He doesn't have any sort of pretense for uh, the job. He knows what it is and he does it uh, amicably, I think.
2: Which I guess brings us on to this film, where it actually seems that he is giving a damn about the performance to a, a high degree.
1: I am less convinced.
2: I think... I think there's passion there, which you don't see very often with Harrison Ford. Like you said before, he's kind of like, he's usually playing like a kind of stoic-y anti-hero.
1: Yeah, he's usually Um, got quite confident roles where he's not really shaken by the drama unfolding.
2: And there's not very many where he's kind of playing the antagonist, sort of. It's kind of hard to Put him in a category with you He's both the protagonist and the antagonist At the same time um, yeah. Which is quite curious But I will I will say This is a more spirited Performance from Harrison Ford yeah, Than
1: got, you get Most of the time He's got to do more hasn't he He's to be manic and uh, smug And also uh, Occasionally he has to be sort of Lovable I guess at least to his family So he, I think it's a role that asks him To Perform more and, mm-hmm. and more varied character stuff. I, I have no qualms in this performance uh, of us. Uh, who's he playing this? he's the keep calling, it, calling him Father. It's rather insufferable, I think. Mm-hmm. Everyone refers to the mother and father as mother and father, even strangers. That's the
0: thing. When I looked at the IMDb and I saw her character's name was Mother, I was furious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Does she not have a name? No, no. She hasn't got a character. She's just a poor, like, what's the right, what's the term for when you're just a pathetic, stepped-on person who has no uh, ability to stand up for yourself? Doormat. So, she's a doormat. She's very much a mother, come doormat. Um, I feel like there's this should be like a. I think there is a word for this. I need a thesaurus to flick through. Maybe I'll put my finger on it as we go on. She's just
0: nothing. She's a really nothing person. She's like, she has no emotion until she finally goes, I can't stand it anymore. And then when they do suggest that they actually leave, she's like, no, I don't want to.
2: Get a backbone, isn't it. <laughs> I was expecting more conflict between the two of them. But, uh, hmm.
1: What's the, uh what's her name Helen Mirren right Helen Mirren mm. can do uh more as well she she's basically the sort of woman who stands in the background and maybe has a rolling pin to make things with i don't know she doesn't she just looks after children and puts up with uh whatever the father says and it's rather annoying because you go i mean i get he's meant to be uh um, a negative character, and it's meant to be the sort of the downfall of someone who could have been reasonable or something. It's kind of the downward spiral of a of a like, an eccentric man. I don't know. I think he, she should have put more of a fight as a character, or at least there could have been more to her. But anyway, it's about uh, I guess a small family. Uh, the dad is does he have a name again? <laughs> like his name is Ali Fox. Fox. So Harrison mm. Ford is uh this Fox guy and he's an inventor and he's also an insufferably smug intellectual who has a lot of uh who spitballs a lot of theories about how modern America is kind of irritating to him. Um his main gripe seems to be, you know, commercialism, the blandness of society and how uh I guess, I mean, what's his problem really? Is this, I don't know, it's sort of consumerist culture, but it's also, I don't know, people not thinking outside the box enough or being brave enough or the world's, like, America's too boring for him.
2: Yeah, it, I think, I think it's, you know, it's, it's complicated. Like, there's a lot of philosophy he's spouting um, about, you know, how modern life um is is going down the tubes um and like consumerism and capitalism are kind of like ruining america and getting you away from from the kind of like core being um of humanity um but then there's also you don't know how much of that is kind of bravado because you also get the sense that he has resentment because he's, pre- he's pre- kind of presented as a kind of like ingenious inventor. But then like the, the first thing they do, like he invents some sort of ice making machine and like shows it to someone like a farmer who just wanted him to do some sort of like cooling ventilation. And then that guy was
0: right about him. No. Yeah.
2: And then he just kind of like dismisses him. It like, yes, It's genius, but it's not what I want. It's not what I asked for, Uh, and you you kind of wonder how much of his philosophy is just kind of down from come from his resentment for people not um, taking his kind of like brainhead inventions seriously. Do you mean hair braids? Hair brains, yeah. Sorry, I said it. I said I said brainhead, and I was like, "There's something wrong there." But never
1: mind. I guess I've never thought about it before, but hair-brained, brainhead—like, brain why would you have a hairy brain anyway in this scenario? You're right, though. There's a sense that he's not. This isn't a straightforward, and unappreciated genius. This is someone who has talent for invention and is a little bit eccentric, but is essentially maybe. Uh, His biggest downfall is he can't seem to Compromise in any way Like He can't be reasonable Mm. He has to have everything his own way And then he sort of blames the world Rather than taking some of the onus on himself So like you said Abby uh, The farmer who he's initially working for Is absolutely correct And I think it's He's been hired, he's a genius inventor That's why he's been hired Because this man needs him to fix some Cooling ventilation for some asparagus that he grows before the season's up. And you're like, you hired a genius inventor to just do some maintenance. What are we talking about? I guess you needed a cooling device, like some sort of sprinklers or something. And then Harrison Ford is all excited and has um, built this uh, prototype of a machine that can do something of vaguely on the lines of cooling, in that it sort of magically can create ice instantly. Like, he has some sort of magical box, which could well work as science. I mean, it's presented like a magical box that you put a cup of ice into Mm. and it's instantly frozen. you go, oh, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, you can have, like, you know, really cold temperature things. It's something, you can have instant freeze, but it's sort of, it's like the child, uh, River Phoenix is the one explaining via voiceover a little bit about his dad. And how his dad sees machines as, like, humans with organs and, vent- you know, all of the different parts of a machine are, he relates to them as, like, lungs and pup tubes and <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and intestines and I don't know. they And he's like, okay, right, machines are like bodies. Who cares? The man has invented a instant freeze box. Okay. And then the farmer's like, yeah, that's great, but... It's not the right size. It's not actually going to help cool asparagus unless we're going to chuck a cup of ice at it every half hour. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? I hired you to do something. You haven't done anything. You're just wasting the time I'm paying you to do these, this weird invention. I mean, okay, right, we should start. Maybe we should start a company where we market this. Ticket. Maybe we should take this um, on Dragon's Den. But, in the meantime, do you want to fix my fucking problem? <laughs> you know... What do they have in America? They have like something called Shark Tank or something or think tank or like Yeah, a... Shark Tank. That's right.
2: the Dragon's Den of America.
1: But not not in the 80s. So unlucky. No. Just have to, you know, invest in yourself properly. But yes, the farmers absolutely right. You've been a crackpot and an idiot and you've absolutely failed to do what what i am employing you to do so he's correctly knocked and then like Carson Ford as Fox is like I don't think he likes it and and he didn't say he didn't like it he said you haven't done what you're employed for and he just it's all fucking bent out of shape and then you go so okay this is the catalyst that gets you to go oh my boss who employed me to do something else doesn't like my cool invention so I'm going to abandon my house without any confrontation or a uh, discussion with my wife, there's literally no question that she will obey and the kids will all travel uh, away to another country with him on a whim because he's angry about how America is bullshit and possibly heading to nuclear armageddon or something. So he's like, here you go, uh, black guys who have come from another country and work on this asparagus farm and live in a shitty slums that we've all looked down on. I, that's the first thing, actually. He's quite seems quite condescending to foreigners.
2: Mm, very I,
1: much so, because there's a you know fair enough. There's a couple of uh, immigrant workers on this farm that you know people immigrants workplaces in America. Who knew? But he's he looking at. They live in a slightly scruffy, slummy, uh, like house apartment. No, what is it? Like just they live in some the cabin. Yeah. And they sort of just sort of oh they're sort of unimpressed by it. But anyway, they they still like oh you ha ha foreign black men have this ice machine and possibly also the house I live in. It seems like they leave all the furniture and their possessions and the house behind possibly to these people or not. the people working on the farm possibly not. I don't really know how it works. But, Abby, did you find it annoying that he just didn't even check with his wife that they could do this? He's just in charge of the family.
0: Oh, yes. Every time he made a decision without consulting anyone at all... Which is always. I I, I, began, <laughs> I began to implode into myself
1: like a decaying son. Jesus. <laughs> that bad. Well, how many kids does he have? He got They've got two ginger twins... And then Abby oh, you you quite like uh River Phoenix don't you Abby? Oh yeah River Phoenix has been a solid actor but I should say was a solid actor? Yeah. But is it was it you know did you think this was like cuz he's uh it's his perspective we're, we're slightly getting with him talking about his dad uh throughout the film as we're see, seeing what happened. Um did you did you find that in, like Effective, taking some of the onus off of Harrison Ford then to be the only uh, voice in it. You've got uh, Phoenix being the the eldest son, giving his take on what was good and bad about their time with their father.
0: There's a bit of a disconnect between what the voiceover was saying and what was actually happening in the view. Like, He would say stuff like, I wanted to kill him, and then he'd be talking with his brother in the boat. And the brother would accuse him of saying, you're thinking the same thing as me, after he said that he wants to kill him. And Rufus would say he wasn't, but you didn't get
1: a sense that he actually was. What? I don't quite follow. You didn't get a sense that he was what? It was quite a confusing sentence, I'm sorry, Abby. He was saying it in voiceover, but he didn't say it in real life, but what?
0: I don't think there was a good continuation of direction through the actual images you saw happening in the narrative and then the voiceover that was commentating on it, which was added later.
1: It's also kind of cheap to just be like, we had a nice time at this point, and you see them having a nice time, you go, right, yeah, obviously. I don't know how you're having a nice time with this, like like in this... uh, Swiss Family Robinson meets. Um, oh, it made me think of the sound of music, especially when they all like the the mum makes the kids and some of the villagers all close out of the fabric like the curtains and the sound of music. Mm. But uh, yeah, this kind of Robinson Crusoe esque living.
0: Uh, they played that guy so close to being like a pedophile. What do you mean? When he was coming in to look at the fabric, oh right, that guy. Because she was tailoring a dress for a little girl, and the guy kept staring. And I was like, "What's happening? What's going on?" And then it was like, "That fabric's nice, lady." And I'm like, "Okay, yes, okay, about fabric, but there's no need to be a perv." There was product. definitely
1: a sense that this, uh, you know, local uh, guy who was living in the Mosquito Coast when they moved there. He is just sort of sweating and looking a bit weird and staring at the girl. And it's like, yes, it's the fabric he's interested in, not ripping it up and choking her with it. He just wants to have some silly shorts. And all the other people... Also, I don't know what the fabric was, but they had so much. It was like some shitty tablecloth that went on literally every person in the village. It's just... Um, anyway, but that's a bit further on. I don't know. Um. But, but yeah, I I kind of agree that
2: the the voiceover was a little bit pointless um like it it didn't necessarily key you in on much that you weren't already kind of watching um or that you know a, a bit of a montage would help pass the time um but yeah, like 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 I said like literally one of the the only things is like at at one point he does say like I could kill him, but it's like can't you show that rather than having it in the voiceover?
1: Yeah, mm, I mean, I is... mean,
2: it's understandable. Yeah, <laughs> so you don't really need to kind of like express those things out loud in voiceover.
1: I I felt like the family that uh, Fox has the Fox family. <laughs> When they, you know, they up sticks and they, uh, dis- you know, basically the dad decides for all of them that he's sick of American society, what with it selling Japanese things and have being a bit cranky and boring. They're gonna go and live away from it all, all of society. He's obviously a bit antisocial anyway, um, but they're gonna basically live off the land. His vague plan is to start a community. Uh, somewhere else, and I, it looked a bit like the Amazon initially. I hadn't really heard of the phrase "the mosquito coast," that's not a term I've heard of the Caribbean being referred to or anything. So it just, to me, it just looked like generic jungly place. And then, and then it was like a lot of the of the characters the was slightly Jamaicany sounding or something, but you weren't really. It was, some of them were seem to be putting on a slightly broad, I am, you know, a foreigner speaking English kind of thing. You just think, like, uh oh. No, I think a few actors were like a bit weird sounding. But the whole thing was kind of patronizing towards uh, other races other than Caucasian obviously. So I felt uh, the whole thing was a bit uncomfortable at times for for being like I guess the way that this arrogant dad is treating people both Americans and non-Americans he was kind of I'm cleverer than you and I'm going to patronize you and stuff.
2: Yeah, I think um the film is uh, obviously passing comment about kind of Western colonialism and how we've treated um, like indigenous people in the past mm. where there's that kind of um, that kind of um, disparity between, Oh no, we're, we're going there to help them um but then it's you're not really helping them. You're essentially destroying everything they know.
1: Yeah, they quite. Li- he literally goes there and ends up destroying stuff. But he also takes charge of everything as well. And even when they like uh, eventually invent the big version of the ice machine, he's like, right, I'm going to fucking show the local tribe people or they'll be blown away by seeing ice in the middle of this tropical country. And you go, you're a fucking prick, <laughs> mate. With the ice. Oh well, we'll get to that. We haven't quite got there <laughs> yet. But he, he yeah. was just, you know, obviously the character's meant to be a bit uh, irritating because he's sort of, he thinks he knows everything, but he's certainly not enlightened enough to appreciate other people. He doesn't have any empathy at all. He's just like, I know best. Why can't everyone think like I think? If everyone did, we'd all get along much better. The world would be a better place. Um, mm. And I think early on you're not even sure you're meant to dislike him You're thinking it's going to be some smug piece About how if you're a sort of Eccentric liberal Who is disenfranchised with how America is Like you you, you may be thinking This is going to be a tale of a guy uh, You know Doing better in another country And showing how you can have it all Maybe learning a few things Along the way But you don't know where it's quite going initially I suppose so, but I find him very dislikeable early on. I don't think it really builds to disliking him. You hate him, and then you have good reasons to hate, well, him. hate him.
2: I think there's uh, for me, like the, it kind of goes up. There's kind of like waves of liking him and disliking him, um, because like uh, you were talking about how he he doesn't have any um regard for other people and like their traditions and stuff like that and th- the first time you kind of see that is when he's um coming up against the the Christian missionary um who's kind of like always quoting random things from the bible
1: yeah
2: um and they cross paths a few times and like kind of like the first time he kind of like shuts him down by doing some back and forth uh, Bible recitations, and then the next time he kind of the he, he come rocks up to the village trying to spread the word and he kind of like shoots him down and like in those moments you're you're i think you're generally on his side because
1: um Christians can be a bit annoying
2: <laughs> yeah the the sympathy with um with the father character Harrison ford's character kind of comes in in waves. Um, less so later on but more so at the beginning like, like at first you can, you can kind of sympathise with his feelings, I think we've all had those kind of thoughts of a simpler life and how hectic things are at some points no. but then... well,
1: I, I, I believe other people can have that I've never thought I need a simpler life of easy things like hammocks between palm trees but yeah, I, the people, but, I can understand that way of thinking, yeah.
2: Yeah, but then you also get, like, the kind of dips where um, he's obviously sort of forcing his family into into the life. Uh, and he clearly has, like, some um, perhaps dubious um, reasons for wanting to do it. Okay, um,
0: stop dancing around. They are dubious. He is
2: forcing them. <laughs> yes, but... At first, like, you don't kind of... You don't know the full extent of it. Like, by yes. the end, it's obviously he's having... he's been having some kind of mental breakdown. Um, you can but see- like, like, it comes in waves. Like, um... Like, later on, when he's... Like like you said before, Rich, how um, he clearly kind of uh, disrespects other people's kind of, like, opinions and culture and way of doing things. Um... But then he kind of comes up at the, against, like, the Christian missionary. Um, and where I, I feel like we're kind of on his side um, of the argument, um, at least at the beginning or with his um, interactions with, like, the missionary guy, because, like, there's, like, the first time they meet, he kind of has, like, dueling um, biblical recitations with him. Um and then later on he comes to their their village uh, and tries to convert people and he's like, no thanks mate, bugger off.
1: Yeah, I think he sees through the ploy because the, the minister guy is basically like, oh yeah, me and my wife have brought some uh, preserved foods and stuff and we're just coming to see how you're getting on. And, you know, it's like, I, we fucking know how this works. You turn up being all nice and you slowly try and coax my, uh, my people I know own <laughs> into being Christians um it's very odd actually, the whole setup is strange. Um I don't know that I have sympathy for him that often. It, it's sort of taken as red that you hate Christians <laughs> watching this. I mean you could easily be a Christian mm. and be uh quite irritated at uh the combatants he he provides. But I think being a missionary, this film is obviously having uh, it's 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 the topic of the white man goes to a foreign place and thinks he knows best. Mm. Which is odd because he's supposed to be like providing a different option to that because he's not bringing the he's not coming in and telling them what to believe and what to do. He's just saying, "Look, if all like he basically buys a a, a town, uh, brackets a small muddy hut area in the middle of like the jungle, and his family are just like, okay, I guess we'll come down the river with you." And live there forever, and build a farming community. And then, so if he is not like these missionaries that are coming and patronizingly telling the locals they're wrong and should believe in, uh, should believe in a Christian God, like it, it's kind of irritating that missionaries do that. Can't you just go to another country and help on their terms? No, you have to go and correct them as well as you know assist with their uh, poverty-induced problems or whatever you might be doing. So it, it's weird that he's he's supposed to be an, an-, an antidote to that. But he goes there and just tells everyone, look, we're basically a communist community now. Uh, do you guys want to help me build a town? Actually, I don't mean do you guys want to. I mean, we're building a town and a farm. Stay or go. Oh, that's what
0: I meant to say. he He bought a town. He got someone drunk and had enough money to buy a town, which
1: made him the mayor. Well, I think... That, to the man who sold him the town, it was basically, he was swindling a tourist, because he sold him nothing, <laughs> essentially. But then, I guess there's just a few, like, they go on a little boat trip with a guy called Hattie, is it? Because he has a hat. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Hattie, was it? He's even condescending to him. He's like a he kind of Jamaican-ish sounding, like J- Car- Caribbean-ish local bloke who has a boat do the kids call him Mr Semper they call him Mr something I think they the call point. him Mr Hattie or something there, yeah maybe yeah. there is a Mr Semper
2: I think that's probably maybe he had like a
1: nickname
2: nickname
1: but anyway he's just this jovial uh, boatman who's willing to take them where they're going and he even gets like uh, patronised as well like basically Harrison Ford's like can I have a go steering the boat and he's like uh, no, no. I, I'm like, literally that's the only job I have here, and you're a tourist. Fuck you. And then he's talking about where they can go down the river, and it's like, oh, you can't go this way. It's too shallow. The 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 guy's saying, and then he's like, oh no, it's fine. And then he basically we cut cut the the boatman being in the water looking for the deepest part to get the ship through, and then Harrison Ford does get to steer while he comedically drowns momentarily. <laughs>
0: The weirdest thing about this is when they should be showing the passage of time, they don't. And when they don't need to show the passage of time, they do.
1: Well, you think the montages come at the wrong time?
0: It's not even montages necessarily. It's that, like, the rapport or the um, antagonism between people sort of comes out of nowhere because they've skipped over the bit where they... Where they st- Come to not like
1: each other, or they come to like each other. Well, he sort of makes friends with everyone in this town, or the, the locals who live in the jungly bit of uh, wherever of the mosquito coast or whatever. So they this little uh, shanty town, mud hut type place in the middle of nowhere. Mm. There's there are a few people, a few locals who live there, and I don't know if they're just like a fishing community or what, but they they're just like oh, weird white people live here now. And the guy owns it, so he, you know, he can be in charge nominally at least. But they—they they all become super friends. All the 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 family, uh, quite enjoying living the Robinson Crusoe life, where you have to build your own hut and survive off of the things you could forage for in the jungle and stuff. And so, it's just taken as read that. Once Harrison Ford starts bossing everyone around, because he says one time, look, if you think I'm not working hard enough, you say, hey, Mr. Fox, work harder, and I will. And then if you don't like it, okay. <laughs> so he doesn't, like, enslave them, but it's taken as read that they quite like this quirky guy who's building things we've never bothered to build. They've, like, the locals have never built anything more elaborate than regular houses so the fact that he's doing quite a weird setup a bit more grand with farming and he, he does the kind of Wallace and Gromit contraptions to farm in a more fun way I guess um, so he uses his, his inventor powers to do all that but it's kind of just like oh the people there are his are the family's friends, they like them, that'll do like there's no proving it or showing it, it's just they are now because they've helped build the town and the only, one of the only hazards, you think, alright, now that these stupid white people have moved to this stupid area, they're happy about it, and they're going ahead, right, right, who's going to die first? Which yeah. of the little twins? And then all that happens is one of the ginger twins wanders off and gets bitten by a leech. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah le- leeches would be a f- one of the problems. But, you know, I expected a fucking anaconda to garot one of them or something, you know, or to, someone to be poisoned and there'd be no modern medicine there. Or Harrison Ford breaks his glasses, and, oh, look, there's no fucking opticians anywhere. <laughs> you know, like... I
0: didn't like the way that everyone was far too clean and kempt. And when... um Wait, I'm going to find her name. When Emily sees them and she says, you look terrible. They don't look terrible. They look a little bit dirty. Yeah. it?
1: and the uh fox has this like hawaiian shirt he likes to wear uh with his cap and his glasses and all this and he doesn't really get that besmirched the whole time i mean maybe i think they invent like a washing machine contraption so They're, like basically they have tents that they survive in and then as they build bits they can like you know basically they they do correctly remember to put up mosquito nets but we do, we don't get one gets malaria no one gets bit by a mosquito really it was really you know, it doesn't pay off the title enough. There isn't enough coast or mosquitoage. They spend most of the time in the river. Getting going towards but never getting to the coast, I think. And the Mosquitoes one is squashed, as I think I mentioned. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised by that. I felt like that was going
2: to be part of uh, at least part of the final act of the film. Um illness. Um because but then if you think about it if it, you know that's the kind of that's it like that that that's shows you that this can't work having been um a part of like the kind of healthcare uh, of the western world knowing how easy it would be to treat someone if you had the means which they would never have where yeah. they are
1: plus there seems to be this non compromising factor to this character where Okay, so certain things. I think if the wife had her say at all, if she spoke up at all, the compromise they could have is like once a week, Hattie or whoever is whatever's name was, they pop on the boat and get some stuff from the local city or town or whatever. Oh, do you want anything? Oh, we need some, uh, like ibuprofen, like one of the twins uh, like has uh, uh, like a flu or whatever. Like just something. Or oh, can you get? uh a few of the items we might need from the real world like they use motors and things and they he buys chemicals for his stupid cat inventions so you go yeah on... this yeah it, it, it that seems fine at first that they're willing to um
2: uh you know get stuff from like the the near town um but like after like the first town is wrecked like he has this weird thing about not accepting help of anyone which is weird even though he did everyone's help to build the, the the um township the town in the first place yeah
1: yeah it's it's very odd it's like a self-imposed problem whereas you know the classic Robinson Crusoe tale I've seen a few versions of Robinson Crusoe now and I just go, no matter what the take is it's not self-imposed. You're accidentally trapped, marooned, and surviving. And you learn some stuff from surviving. And it's hard, but you get over it. That the castaway journey you take is, you know, become self-sufficient and you survive. But you also um, would choose to leave it. And obviously, this is a man choosing uh, to live like this. He, I think, he says also uh, when they actually reference the fact that Robinson Crusoe. Uh, you know, left the island I don't plan on ever leaving my little uh, tropical paradise that I set up here so he's very much sick of society to the point where he's obsessed with not relying on it Um, but I think it could have worked, it could have been that if they'd have had a harrowing tale of finally getting used to living there and how they thought it would be easy but then it was harder if they went through the trials and tribulations and formed a genuine community rather than montaging themselves of a friendly community and then making pedophiles interesting claws and stopping them uh, from being predators he isn't actually a pedophile as far as we know no mm. but he was staring he was creepy <laughs> but they they definitely picked an actor it was like oh this guy looks weird <laughs> you know they obviously cast um people who looked like they, they they obviously i think they took a pool like a few people from like Actual people who live in the Caribbean to be in it, um, not you know obviously uh, there isn't a whole lot of lines to go around, so it doesn't really matter who you get in a sense. But it's basically there. Are, there is a community there, but they, whether they earn it or not is one thing. But essentially, mm. once they get established, it's quite nice. Then it's like he is providing a contrast to the sort of m- missionaries who come there, and they give with one hand, but they also expect you to conform a Christian society and learn their way. But he is bossy and he expects a lot and everyone has to work really hard. All the kids are working hard and you expect them to mourn a bit but they, they all really fucking love it. All the kids are having makeshift hats made for themselves out of reeds and they fucking love like bathing in the fucking billabongs or filthy rivers or whatever they are and <laughs> playing games. and they, they couldn't be happier not going to school but labouring endlessly on their father's Weird township, isn't it I find it a bit like because the older kid, Phoenix, is playing. Like you know, he's still young enough to admire his dad. But where's the pushback from the kind of teenagery? Like we meet that one girl, like the missionary's daughter, and they sort of oh would you go out with me? Thing going on, and you go, wouldn't a teenage boy be really pissed off to be leaving his Nintendo behind? You know, like where's the? I mean, like maybe they haven't had any fun (laughs) in America because their dad's such a dickhead but shouldn't the children be a bit more anxious and antagonising and fall out more? You know, that's not very realistic, I felt.
2: Yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, they do kind of at the beginning uh, set up um, his relationship with his eldest son, with the Phoenix character, quite a lot. And you can see that there's, like, admiration there and he's constantly being kind of um, preached to by him. Um, so I kind of buy um, that he would kind of like go along
1: with his father for a while. Um, but the whole family are a family of cucks anyway, who just do whatever the dad tells them. You know, none hmm. of them really stick up for themselves. They just believe in him. He's almost like a cult leader in a way, isn't he? Yeah, kind of, because he has that kind of weird,
2: charismatic, passionate kind of oration um yeah. which he which he can do and you can see um
1: his influence on his family. I wouldn't quite go as far as brainwashing. He's not a kind of um, Charles Manson figure, but he is uh authoritative <laughs> and impassioned. He'd make a good like Cub Scout leader anyway, maybe. No,
0: <laughs> well one of the things about cults is that they uh, shape the world to what suits them, and when he tells them that America is on fire and that's blown up, that is mm. restricting their world, so they stay with him. That is a thing that happens in cults, so I would say he's a cult leader.
1: Yeah, well, by, I think by the end as well, he's gone more nutty as well. It's like initially he's just a, a controlling father. You know, the tension does build with the family, but they're too reasonable with him. He becomes quite maniacal, uh, and they they kind of just put up with it a lot. And don't question him a lot. They think, oh well, if we just—they don't—they you know, kind of go, oh well, he's has our best interests at heart. And they go, once he starts demanding things, and uh, actually the one thing Abby you, you mentioned there, uh, he at one point he does say, basically, oh we can't go back to America. Uh, a nuclear bomb went off, and he go, um, no, eh, <laughs> they they do well, they do say, they know he was lying or think that he's lying. We go how would he know that? He makes it up like a flip child. And then they're kind of like is that true? And it's like well no how would he know? <laughs> like where, when did the bomb go off? How does he know that? He's just clearly made it up as a childish excuse why you can't go back to America or go live in society again. So we have to we're very lucky we happened to have left America after it exploded in a nuclear Armageddon. I found it very irritating, but then it's meant to be at a point where that was the line he crossed for River Phoenix's character, he's sort of, if he just didn't lie to me, I'd do whatever he wanted for the rest of my life it was then I knew my dad was a fucking dickhead <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, I don't know, like, so the community is set up aren't they, and it's all well and dandy, and he gets to do his big version of his ice machine so he builds the old funny shed thing And then they make a big block of ice out of just, you know, they light a match and a block of ice. We don't even see them put water in. They don't put like a block of water in and it becomes ice. They just, it makes ice, okay? There's ice now. And it's this, I don't know what the big deal is. It's like, oh my god, now that I make ice in the Caribbean jungle, business will kick in and we'll make millions because I've made snow where snow can't exist. He's such an
0: egomaniac that he wants everyone to be like, "Oh God, he made ice in the desert," but no one really gives a fuck, and that's why he gets all upset.
2: Yeah, like... yeah. There's yeah, there. Are, there's a. He has like a not a conversation. He says something about um, how like the uh, like the indigenous people would never have seen ice, and if they saw ice, they'd think it was some sort of gem.
1: And he'd just be like, and... "What? What then?" They'll be like, "Can I buy some ice?" Like what? But like uh, the bit when he's set up the ice machine,
2: um, and he's got it running, and it's like supplying ice to like the local villages and towns. Um, he's he doesn't get that kind of fulfilment that he thought he would from um, having like the the people having this kind of like miracle thing. It, be- it all becomes. So normal, so quickly.
1: Yeah, it's that like, hooray. He doesn't hooray. quite
2: get, get that kind of like ego boost that he was hoping for.
1: I guess, I guess, but there is that celebratory sliding the big load of ice down and playing in the pile of snow. And like, the the town are like pleased to have this uh, phenomenal new thing. But at the same time, you, well, you can't really. Well, you sell it to the nearby towns where they go, no, nah, it's fine. We bought a fridge. We actually have electricity. You. Patronizing fucker, um, yeah, like, but th- then it is just that really racist thought of oh, the local tribes people who are all you know wearing loincloths and have face tattoos, they'll be f- I'll fucking blow their minds, and yeah, it's mm. like ice isn't that useful <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the tribe could get her on without ice currently, it's not like oh, fuck, now that we've got ice, we could do all the things we were meaning to do, like. Have a fucking slushy and keep the cannibalised meat <laughs> that we have cool for longer. Now that when we kill rival tribes, we can keep their meat on ice and have it all through the year. Hooray! I mean, I don't know. Like, and he, he's such a dickhead about it that this is the breaking point for some of the people. Like, basically, he forces a couple of his sons and and like a little troop of them wrap up the ice to keep it cool. Clearly, he's not that good an inventor. He hasn't invented like a cool box or whatever but they've wrapped <laughs> up the ice and they're transporting it to smug it up to some tribe and it becomes like it's a really arduous journey and all the kids are like this is bollocks dad do we have to keep going and he's like Yes a fucking course we do and let's sleep and let the ice melt and then we'll take it to them and he's just sitting there going obviously when you unwrap this it'll just be a wet bag and it was, and but I don't know, just a bunch of tribes people, face tattoos, they all surround them, and like, oh, are they gonna kill them? And you go, I fucking hope so. And they don't, <laughs> but they do discover that there's some greasy-looking mercenary-looking white guys living there, or something. Or well, there's at least one moustachioed bloke in the background of this bunch of indigenous people. Yes? No? Am I making it up? <laughs> Yeah, like
2: um, I think he, or at least they tell him that they're kind of being held prisoner there, or at least captive of some kind.
0: Mm. So and
2: we've... then he tries to help them by telling them the way back to their settlement.
1: And he, they, he is a bit confused because if they're captured, they don't want help, but they also it'll be fine. Thanks, uh, we'll come to you. It's a bit confusing. So I don't quite understand. Are these guys? What are they up to? They're criminals or mercenaries or Yeah, I think so. Like, I think
2: because why else would they be kind of like for... just travelling
1: well, like lone mercenaries looking for work or with indigenous tribes or against indigenous tribes or are They could like... be on the run. Yeah. Like, I don't know what do... just, just <laughs> trying to pass through without using Roads and stuff like that. Some sort of shady cartel people or something. I don't know, but they don't. Mm. It doesn't get explained. We don't know. Like they are mysterious, greasy gringo types or something. They're not even sure where they're from exactly because they don't really have words to say. But they, that basically, uh, Harrison Ford's group are let go by the tribe who might kill them, because they oh they're just Bible salesmen or whatever. Um, so they get let. Back, and then these three guys with guns come down out of the mountains and are uncomfortable house guests for a bit. They don't really do anything wrong other than they're intimidating and a little bit, you know, they got guns and they're like, uh huh, we're not gonna leave, we're gonna stay in your house. No, 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 we're gonna have your room. But they don't really impose themselves. They sort of look at the wife while they're being fed and like there's an implication they might be a bit rapey. But they they just basically have an awkward standoff in a kind of well, um you guys wanna just leave? We show you the way, you can borrow you can have the boat and leave. It's we'll help you, please don't kill us. And then they're like Nah. We'll stay. And then he's even like, We you can't stay. We have an ant infestation <laughs> You know, mm. Mm. You... I, well, I thought they were quite intimidating, actually. Well, they were jerks, but mm. they didn't do anything. No, but you knew at some point they were going to. Well, they were like eyeing up the place. Like, okay, we get the picture here. This is a weird white bloke living in this place with some sort of thing going on. But they didn't like kill anyone or do anything or talk... they didn't actually force. Anything did they they just were there being potentially a threat he, he was correct to assume they were dangerous, but it becomes quite mad once you know Harrison Ford's chopping up all the nice things in his house because mm. of the oh you, like you may be taking the big room and cucking me out of my house, but I'm going to chop up all my things to spite you, Abby, did you like any of this business?
0: It should have been funnier. I don't know if it was just I'd checked out mentally by then but him literally bringing down buildings around their ears should have been funnier to me.
1: Well they had that bit where they knocked down a wall of one of the houses and the the boat guy's like I don't see any ants anywhere and they're like well, of course you don't see them they're hiding you know like they'd say, it, it almost became comical I think when he's going particularly nuts about it and just like I, I, if I'm not going to be bullied out of my toys I'll break all my toys. But then
2: you wouldn't want to ruin that kind of like tension too much with comedy, no. Either, especially as what what he feels like he's forced to do in the end to them.
1: Yeah. So this is the big. So along the along with the film this far, you kind of think I suppose a bit of an asshole. I don't know if I meant to like him or not. And then the decision is okay. So they're under threat. They are probably in trouble. or going to get killed. Let's not run away in the night like we could do. Let's tell the guys (laughs) it's okay, you could stay in this shed. Which, you know, so they basically trick the mercenary guys to to stay in the bunks and they provide sort of beds within the ice machine shed. And it seems like it could be somewhere they could stay. And the stupid thing is, these guys who have been there bullying them and like eating their food and not leaving, or. Yeah, I guess we'll stay. We look evilly at each other like we're up to something. But we'll totally accept this. This should have been the bit where they fucking twatted the guy's glasses, threw them in the river, fucked his wife, and ate the children or whatever. <laughs> but instead they're like, I guess we'll settle in in the shed. That's a fair compromise. We're not evil. and it, and Because it, they accept that. The fact that the guy get his kid to help murder them. Basically, he tells his son to, like, lock the doors, and so they're going to turn on the machine and freeze them instantly to death. Yeah, so...
0: that was... that was problematic. <laughs> First of all, the tension wasn't there. So, beforehand. And then when he was freezing them, you were just like, you can't... It was too... I, it didn't feel like we'd worked up to the point where he thought it was okay to f- to freeze three guys.
1: If he, if they'd have done something, if they'd have uh, hurt his wife or something, or killed a local or some, if they'd have acted their mercenary way, or actually, if if say uh, they'd try to use the invention, like they were like, ah, oh, we're fucking taking over. You're gonna use this ice machine and do like if they'd have bullied their way into keeping everyone, like, entrapping them or using the guns to keep the control on the town, then you could see, okay, we need to bump them off because they're awful, evil people. But, so that doesn't make sense that they can escalate this to just murdering them. Mm. Like, they're sleeping. Just get a gun off them while they're sleeping and tell them to leave or you'll shoot them or do something else. But also, on top of this, you're A, you're making your son help with murdering them, and B, you're surprised when it's like, if they just lie down, they'll die pieces they're like screaming trying to get out of this machine while he turns it on and you go why would they lie down they wouldn't lie down and die comfortably they're obviously going to try and break their way out they probably should have been able to break out but they end up shooting at the innards of the machine and it explodes and there's like a hell mouth of the machine sort of blows up and it's clearly like meant to be a bit symbolic of an evil face or something but these, so these guys are blown up in a massive explosion. And House of like, ah, oh, fuck, they were supposed to just quietly die and turn to ice sculptures. But now instead, they've blown the machine up. But also, they've blown everything else up in the town by accident as well. And we've now polluted the water and destroyed the town. Fuck, that backfired. Whoopsie! What'd you say to this stuff, Anthony? Was it, uh... Did it add an escalation worth having or? Well I think so, because in 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 terms of
2: the the story, it's like I think it was pretty obvious that these men who have come in with guns are uh, are can very easily just take over if they wanted to. So I can I can at least understand the thought process of trying to get rid of them um, yeah, before, definitely. I, I think that's before okay it escalates
1: too much but he's like it's fine they'll just lie down and not destroy everything and yeah
2: um, yeah. obviously it shows he's still kind of even though he's trying to get this kind of kind of survival life for himself and his family he's still kind of Naive To things Like of course you know You you trap some people in the corner They're going to get angry and lash out Kind of thing hmm.
1: I mean, Another point at this stage uh, We could have mentioned is While they were away on Ice Quest uh, The missionary guy has been back And leafleted into the place To the annoyance of this Anti-Christian Atheist sensible logic man With his inventions And also some of the people have maybe taken up... Like, because going to church isn't just something you do on Sundays, you have to completely up sticks and commit to the lifestyle, apparently. A lot of people in the town have left a bit, have they? It's not as busy as it was, is the implication, I think. But still some people live there, so...
0: Yeah. I would imagine that some of the villagers
1: sort of low-key left quietly because the guy was a nutter. Uh. It's all well and good growing these crops, but I kind of hoped a Westerner come in would actually... You know, we could set up businesses and sell to tourists, or he'd actually... Maybe we wanted a golf course to be set up so we could have income. Do like, you know what I mean? I'm not, I mean, maybe the locals have more going on in their lives that they don't want to live just in isolation. After all, people who live there already don't need to change their lifestyle. They might quite like modernity and a different culture and other people to hang out with. Who knows but but there's less people anyway now that I think it's for the convenience of when the town is taken over by these mercenaries and then it explodes into a burning ball of flame it not that many people are injured or killed or anything, or if any, but it's kind of, what's a really fucking fuck you buddy is so the chemicals have got into the water as well and polluted the water, so it also has contaminated the river, so they can't even still live there, and it's just literally like. Right, we're going. We can't live here. I just polluted the river with ammonium. Or ammonia, or whatever it is. Or the chemicals. And they just go, so we have to leave. And it's like, oh, fuck you, buddy. You come here and you try and improve the place. And then you actually pollute it. Like any number of the evil corporations you presumably hate. And it's Hmm. just fuck off down the river. So at this point, he's obviously gone full heel. And it's just a question of how far he can go before his family... Are either ruined further or go against him or whatever, isn't it? Yeah, bell end. Sorry. <laughs> and at this point, I felt like this was coming close to the
2: kind of, kind of a natural end where it's like, okay, we we tried, things got bad, we failed, I have to come to terms with going back to the old life kind of thing. Mm. And I have to admit, like when I when I first picked this film. And then, like I watched the trailer and stuff, I thought, okay, there might this might there's a chance this film might be a little boring or a little slow paced. Um, and up until this point, I th- I was fine with it. I I wasn't I I didn't feel like I was getting bored. I didn't feel like the pace was too slow or anything. Um, but then it kind of drags out the third act after this for for a bit too long. Yeah, it's starting to kind of um, get to
1: me. I think what I expected more was this family to be challenged with all of the problems of not having modernity around you, and like, tro- like you go, oh, it's brilliant. We live I- when they when they started living a happy life, and the kids were living it. The family are happy, and they got their little place. You go, okay. We insert mercenaries. We insert tropical storms. We have you know, trying to survive becomes genuinely a challenge, and it it's the it, it, hubris is what takes him down, and then it isn't about hard it actually isn't that hard it's only he makes it hard because he's unwilling to compromise, so they could just go back to the township, start again he could just they could just get the family like washing dishes or making money again, invest by another place, start again hmm. may, maybe learn from your mistakes and not pollute another bit of river. But no, he's like, we can't ever go this way down the river. We have to go up the river. We have to stay away from society. And he goes properly crazy. And they're basically surviving in a boat for the longest time as well. I think the really long, boring bits are just living on the river, being depressed, (laughs) isn't it? Mm.
0: Every time he said something that was contrary to what other people wanted, but was completely arbitrary, I wanted to reach into the screen and strangle him. Yeah. Like, oh we could go downstream to, we could, it, we could go downstream to this place. Dead things go downstream. We go up. It's like, why? Every time someone says something, you're like, no, philosophy, weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> and at no point
1: is the wife like, okay, so I'm taking the kids and we're getting divorced. Goodbye. If you were like it at so many points, it should have been fine. Stay here. I'll take the kids back. And oh, I love you so much that. I have no character and I can't stick up for myself. Or oh, it's not love, really. It's just I'm got fucking Stockholm syndrome. Like it just there was no reason for them to stay. Even the kids are being annoyed. Like they might want to stay with their dad. They, they could split the kids up a little bit. Like oh maybe the little younger kids can go with the mum, and the boys can stay and survive with their dad. And maybe they'll reconvene at some point, or he can win. Maybe this should be the point where they abandon him. He becomes like a crazy Robinson Crusoe. And maybe the son helps him redeem himself and get the mum back. Like, I would have gone a kind of, Harrison Ford has gone crazy, but we can save this family if there's a little bit of input. And actually, Hattie, the boat guy, is actually quite helpful. Even when they're, like, they're trying to set up another town with the, just all the shit that's been washed down river, Harrison Ford sets up on, like, a bank, a little hut area with his family and the guy's like uh you can't really stay here though cuz you get washed away in like the watery sea like when the weather changes you'll be washed away and he literally has to and then Harrison Ford like turns on him and he's like, "You're a fucking prick, mate. You, I gave you a watch for no reason, and you sold it for a boat after I ruined your boat. And I now I'm pissed off about it, even though you're happy and you've got a boat, and it it completely fits with my philosophy. You weren't materialistic. You didn't like keep the watch and think you were cool. You sold it for something practical and did what I would have done in that circumstances. And he got a new straw hat and everything. And then the guy's like, and then Harrison Ford's like, "Ah, fuck you, you prick." Don't interfere. We're not going to... The guy's like, come live in my village. <laughs> It'll be fine. It's still in the middle of fucking nowhere. It'll be fine. We'll just, you know... Ch- like, it's the no-compromising I'm mental now <laughs> from Harrison Ford. And, like, you know, people try and help him. I think even Hattie comes and tells the son when there's a storm, take these motor parts he refuse to take <laughs> and save yourselves for one more fucking day. And it is just like, all right, we get it. You're all surviving and it's awful. <laughs> I don't know though. I don't know about this getting bored in the third act. I was a little bored all throughout. I think it never really like. I guess it was you were kind of curious where it was going, but I was like, I could easily not watch. <laughs> what say you, Abby? I mean, Anthony s- said there was problems with the third act. Were you? You seemed quite begrudging of the guy throughout. So, like the story was there,
0: and there was. Like a competency in a through line, but because I hated him so much, mm. I just did not want to go
1: on this riverboat with them. It is odd to do a film where the protagonist becomes the antagonist, isn't it That is an unusual mm. thing to do what well, what's the big the bi- the big ending thing for them really is they come across the minister's little. Town is it? What what is it like? He's got his own little chapel and things, and the pe- the children and the mum are like, hey, we we can, you know, not be dying of starvation in the rain on a on a raft. We can maybe you know get a change of clothes and eat and <laughs> survive normally for a minute. And they can't even do that for long because just instantly, oh, Christians! I'm seething, and he like fucking burns down the church like a maniac for no reason. I mean, I think the guy wasn't even there. I mean, I get a bit annoyed with Christians every now and again. It's a little bit like, oh, come on, guys, you're letting your piety get in the way of actually helping people or something. You can get annoyed with people for having different beliefs and or being stubborn, but it's like, you know, the guy wasn't actually doing anything wrong. It's not like you could just leave the community alone and not take help from them, you bastard. But he just like burns the church down and rightfully. You know, he gets shot. It's kind of weird, actually. He just shouldn't really get shot by the guy. But the minister's like pissed off and just kills, shoots him, and leave, like in the leaves, leaves him to die. And I guess there's no repercussions because you can murder whoever you want. That's the truth we learn in the jungle. Not murder, there's no Rich, police. As you just said, kill shoot. Kill shoot. Yeah. You said
0: <laughs> kill shoots him, which I quite like.
1: Well, he does. How else would you say it? Mm-mm. He kill shoots him. He. He kill he kills, exploded those men, <laughs> he ice murdered, I don't know, I mean it, it's just our, the guy's gone mad, and we need some catharsis and ha- we need him to die. It would have been better if the jungle had killed him, but instead, it was his own stupidity, not even hubris, he's just his meanness means that someone hates him enough to actually kill him. Just as the and the mum is still flip flopping with the kids like, mum, we could run away from this horrible bastard. You know he's gone crazy. Come on, we can actually leave now. Now that we've come back to society, and she's like, I don't know, your father. You know, he's a dickhead, but you know he's got no redeeming qualities at all. So yeah, that was that was such a letdown. She was like, No, I can't. It's like, why? Because I'm an unreasonable figure of a woman. <laughs> I have no character to really explain why I like him in the first place, other than I guess he's a bit nice when he's having a nice day. That's yeah.
0: another good point, where it's like, I'm not sure what their relationship is based on. I don't. Furthermore, I don't know how they have four children when they seem to be
1: completely sexless. Maybe she is one of his inventions where he's invented a sex, <laughs> sex robot. It was like just this perfect wife who just pumps out babies and is complicit and, not, and is just fine with that and is programmed to bake pancakes and just raise the kids. To be fair, though, she does...
2: Like, once she sees, like, the 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 church on fire and she realises, oh, it was him and that this wasn't done to protect them this was done out of spite, essentially. Yeah, like she does gather the kids up to leave at that point. Although it's
1: it's not too long later that he's shot, then so he's shot. It's kind of a moot yeah. point. Yeah, it's it would be it would be better if, in a way. Uh, what I might have suggested they could have done with it is if Fox had been so busy building a community and getting a bit too obsessed with self-sufficiency, if the wife had become a bit bored and actually found the minister guy to be more charismatic... I mean, he wasn't charismatic, but you could have had a character where, oh, she's getting on with the minister a bit better or once is finding happiness in the Christian community or even turns to Christianity and then he resents that or something. You know, like, it would have been... More of a point to it, but he sort of picks an enemy out of nothing. Like, so you Mm. found you found a minister a bit irritating when you get catching the boat in, and then he tried to get a few people from your community to join the church. You go, yeah, but people deal with Christians every day. It's fine. Just be like, oh bloody hell, here they are, the Bible bashers again. You don't. No one goes out burning churches down in in like jealousy. But you know, he's gone a bit bit crazy. He has committed a murder already anyway. But, you know, it's, like you said, it's a moot point. They don't get to leave because we just spend the end of the film going, right, he's dying on a raft. And all the kids are like, I don't want him to die, even though he kind of hated him now. And then he has some shitty, boring last words about something, blah, 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 please go upriver. And and then the wife's like, yes, we're going upriver like you want, you maniac. Although, like, cut to them going back down the coast away <laughs> from where he wanted. Yes. And ditch him in the river and live a happier life, having learnt nothing from this whole exploration.
0: Oh, they learnt plenty of things. Like, they did genuinely learn some life skills, but they also learnt
1: not to be crazy. I learned to compromise. <laughs> how not to murder people, how to compromise, and how to tell... When the weather changes, what like how to behave correctly in, the, in appropriate weather conditions and how to listen to people and meet them halfway. That's
0: the main thing, I think, is just
1: learn that when people tell you advice that is reasonable, maybe you should listen. Yeah, maybe not launch into something arrogantly blinkered, obsessing over everything. And maybe realise that making instant ice isn't that great a business deal anyway. They all should have learnt the lesson of maybe just fix the uh, asparagus cooling system and <laughs> not be mad. But I don't know. It is. We leave them then. We pan out and we see the family. Maybe uh, they're safe. now that he's dead. <laughs> it's weird as well because he doesn't. He talks and then there's a suggestion that he's paralysed, and then what River Phoenix is like. So yeah, he died. Oh. Okay, he was talking a second ago, and he might have been paralyzed. Oh, can you imagine if the film carried on for another act, and he's trying right. to get them to do stuff while being paralyzed? Like he could invent a kind of Wallace and Gromit wrong trousers, or and just be in a like Steve or like Stephen Hawking in a in the wheelchair, and still forcing them to live in the wild, and make harnesses for him to get around his house or something. I kind of I kind of would love it if that had happened. <laughs> yeah. But that was basically it, I think have, have anyone got any other bits they wanted to talk about or thoughts
2: only maybe worth mentioning the music. Go on. I liked it.
1: oh good what, <laughs> what do you think it, what do you think it did was it just effectively stirring your emotions or what
2: uh it wasn't quite like that. it was a more kind of like sombery kind of more background thing. Like, uh, I dare say it almost kind of like Enya fucking did mm. the soundtrack. Oh, um, Enya. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think it was nice.
1: I don't really know what else to say, but... It didn't stand it, out, I, but I think that's the sign of good music you don't notice. It just affects mm. you, and it it's, it's aiding the film, not distracting. So I... I I'd say it might have done that, but I didn't really come away thinking, oh, the music at least was really intriguing. Yeah, you know,
2: it's, no, it's no
1: man from Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, no. That was, that was a hell of a soundtrack, fair play.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, Abby, yourself, I mean, you stopped making notes very early on as Harrison Ford wound you up as the film went on, so. Yeah. It's like, oh, I... fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to... Sorry, go on, Abby.
0: No, I I, I didn't know what to say. I'm just so fundamentally frustrated
1: by this film. I think that leads in perfectly to what my metaphor would be. The Mosquito Coast, for me, is when you're a child and your holiday is really shit, but your dad is going on with it anyway. He's like, no, (laughs) I've booked the holiday off. We're going to see all these historical sites. I've got a plan. Even though everything has been closed and the weather's terrible, and we'd all rather be inside playing the n sixty four we're fucking having the holiday I planned you know it's the kind of controlling dad movie where it ruins everything and you're just in a bitter sad row, and you could so easily avoid it the whole film is an exercise in frustration because I could see the potential for a better film in there, but it would just mm. uh, it, it would it, it avoid going where I wanted to, which is a bit like a trip, but like the film could have done stuff I could have been Bought into more. And, you know, you should feel him slowly getting more and more annoying. But he was such a cunt from the get go. There was no, it wasn't like a slow build. I was glad when he was dead. And I, I didn't, you know, it's that awful thing where you're sort of half right, block Like, this inventor has some good. America is, it's a great place, but also it's got a lot of flaws. And there's a lot of things wrong with the society that America makes. And there's a lot of, Problems, but you and it, it, The film didn't like. It sort of suggested like, oh, foreigners have got it right. Or people living simplistic lives in the jungles are better off than we are. Uh, how how lucky those people are! They get to live in this like poverty. Like how how lucky they are to live in poverty with nothing to their name. That's the the way to live. And it's like yeah, kind of, but it's also a bit racist and patronizing the way you treat it. So. It was just like an awful father figure <laughs> taking you on a trip that you weren't enjoying, and I guess be you felt the same. You were just like kicking the car seat, being like, "I
0: want to leave." You know? I I actually, it's similar but different. For me, it's more like that moment when you're having a perfectly normal journey in the car, and then one of your parents says, "We're just stopping in at Tesco." Take no.
1: <laughs> we're just... going
0: to be. Trapped in Tesco for 40 minutes, or trapped in the car for 40 minutes. Well, you buy things I don't want. You're know, not even going to get anything for me. <laughs>
1: Oh, so it's that, um, you think this is five minutes, but it's actually going to be an hour and a half of not making up your mind. Uh, oh, and this Tesco has a diff- has a peacock's inside, so it's going to be even longer you your mum suddenly decides she needs to buy things. Oh, and we just need to get petrol. Oh, and we did say we'd call in at Janet's house and pick up the quiche, and you're like, ah, I want to go home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's that. that was pretty much... The, the feeling that when he really started to turn... Because at first you were like, oh, well, he, he might be all right. And then there was that certain point where you're like, oh, no, he's a, he's a complete lunatic. Oh.
1: Yeah, but I don't know yeah. that he... He didn't get compellingly insane. He didn't go full, like... If it had been a bit more like, what's that Scorsese film where De Niro's trying to kill people on a boat? Like, he's... Keep fair. Cape Fear, yeah, yeah. Like Cape Fear, where the. Like, I would have liked Harrison Ford's characters to become relentlessly evil and never endingly awful instead of just. You start with just tension and uncomfortability and then an unstoppable bastard who's gone insane rather than just a stubborn prick who could easily be told no. Like, no could have solved so many problems. Like, it wasn't like he was in control and they couldn't do anything. It wasn't like misery where, like, they're captives and he's inflicting himself on them. At any point, they can be like, fuck off, dad, we're ditching you on the bank of this river. You've been a prick bit. You should have totally Colonel Kurtz did it. Just all the way. How do you mean?
0: Well, Colonel Kurtz had his own little community where they did weird shit and had rituals.
1: So he should have gone all the way like that. Maybe the asparagus farmer sends a boat to go and see if they can find him. Because <laughs> they've we've sold the ice-making invention. We've got to get Colonel Kurtz back. Send a little boat full of or asparagus something... farmers up the river.
0: <laughs> or something like, oh, somebody should tell him that his mum's died. <laughs> so then someone starts going
1: down and they find him. And he's got a little cult of villagers resurrecting an even bigger town. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I could have done a lot of different stuff. Um... But Anthony, are you perhaps maybe the older child who is going like Dad? Is, he has good intentions, and he we may be at a cathedral in a storm, but we we can enjoy the cathedral, guys. It might if we if we just do some brass rubbings. We might have fun. Is that <laughs> is that how you feel? Are you a bit more uh, on board with your Dad's trip on the plan, or have you got your own thing you want to say? Sure.
2: I do have my, I have my own sort of metaphor, but sure, <laughs>
1: I did. I did
2: like the film uh, more than you guys because I, I, I think it was a good, like just a, a good character study of the guy. And I know, like it, it. I can understand that it hinges on. You can't watch him if you don't like him, and I I kind of get that, but uh, I didn't mind it because I found like it's quite a, a deep study into him and you can kind of like formulate your own reasons why he's doing things yeah and um and then seeing them kind of play out in different in different ways um, yeah there's a
1: lot of subtext you can get your teeth into you can start to uminar ah about the kind of psychological reasons, like, why why is he this way? What is he doing this for? What mm. is he going to turn at this point or that point? There's lots of time you could spend sort of wondering and guessing about this man. I'll give you that much. And,
2: yeah, and I do kind of think this is one of Harrison Ford's best performances that I've seen him do.
1: Well, but he they, he is, he's a big defender of this. He thought it got like a mixed critical response, I think, and he's always quite quick to sort of champion this. And he, I think, uh, Jamie was saying on off uh, podcast like, "Oh, uh, this is one of Harrison Ford's favorite roles he did, probably because it's such a you know very like he gets to do so much screaming and maniacal ranting and happy family shit. You know, he's a night, nice, he's all over the shop, isn't he as a character?"
2: Yes, he's got the full range of emotions to express in this film. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, I did think it kind of dragged towards the end and it, it was getting to a point where I think you guys got to very early on where it's like, oh, I just can't take any more of this guy, you know?
1: Yeah, um, and for me, it's just he's so fucking smug and wrong. Like if he, he's half right, and that's the most annoying. When someone's like Yeah, you're not you're not wrong. You're just you could can't you you can there's a way that you can compromise and I oh, just it's very irritating to be with a smug, condescending arsehole and then mm-hmm. when his life slides out of all reasonableness, it's like am I meant to enjoy this boat ride, do you know what I mean? Yeah.
2: So if I was going to give it a metaphor, I'd say it's a kind of very long lecture
1: <laughs>
2: where, you know, it's, it's, it's there to be kind of like informative and give you like kind of nuggets of um, truth and insight, um, but by the very kind of like nature of it. It has to be kind of long and drawn out, and uh, always like even the best lectures kind of get dull by the end, and you're just kind of waiting for them to finish
1: <laughs> yeah I think that's I think that's fair I think you know that's a that's a good way to sum up your thoughts on it, so me and Abby wish we'd never enrolled in this class, but you um were enjoying to a point, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh yeah, I think. Obviously, uh, it's a challenging film, both to either to watch or you know, you know. There's definitely people who could enjoy this. Mm. I, I don't, I don't know why you would try and enjoy this, but like you know, it's... I, I will say that I will, I, I feel no need to really watch
2: this ever again.
1: No, I think it's just that the characters lacked so much depth outside of Harson Thord. Mm. Who you can kind of give compliments to for having... But he's the only one with a character to work with. No one else has anything to work with at all. Helen Mirren is completely lost on this nothing woman. And it's irritating to have such a weak woman in it anyway. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I could have done with more disaster in my disaster movie as well. There's a lot of things. It really lacks the fangs I expected. I expected a lot more... You know, I could have done with some giant mosquitoes or some snake bites or some huge tropical storms or I would have wanted a kind of I think for me a better film is something like Deliverance where people think they can just have a nice fishing holiday and then it's a descent into a kind of nature and man inflicted hell like so Deliverance is like a cracky movie and does more of what I like and it has uncomfortable moments and you know drama but it isn't a slog in the same way this was I think that draws us to a conclusion and we're all gonna pack up our kit and go for a big camping trip in the jungle, right, guys? No. Gonna live it. Gonna live it. All the oh, it's so it's so lame camping in the actual wild. <laughs> I, I I can I can rent a field for a, an, an actual campsite where they got toilets and amenities and a shop and a restaurant nearby. Yes. In an actual <laughs> in an actual jungle with actual bugs and snakes and danger. Fuck right off. Are you are you with me, guys? Yeah. Oh yeah, chance. Ch- ch- I'm not saying we need to go glamping but we're not going proper camping like this. <laughs> anyway, catch us next time for another chat about another film. toodaloo Bye. Bye, sweetie. Don't forget to put that Suntan lotion that you only put on your nose that they only ever did in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Nothing what else. <laughs> Because your nose sticks out a bit so it might get sunburned but nothing else on you will. Plus your I whole face will the... go red and then just your I... nose will be fine.
2: Yeah. Plus I find it's the ears that you really need to get that stuff on.
1: Well, for me it's literally everything. <laughs> oh yeah, same. But uh, I always find like, the ears go first. I've somehow sunburned my teeth and hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bye. Anyway, bye. <clears throat>